Oh my god, hi Bethel fandom. I know, I can't believe it either. I actually went back and, and the other day looked at when the last one of these I posted was. Y'all, it was fucking October. It was October 2019. Boy, that was a decade ago, wasn't it? God, yeah, it was like a completely different time. I, I, I intended at that point to continue doing this, and then of course that didn't end up happening for a variety of reasons, and uh, then the, the world kind of ended, and then it kind of ended again, and I've been in lockdown since March. Seriously, like I've been in my house since March, and I have spent maybe a total of a minute or two talking to another human being face to face who wasn't delivering some food or something. It's been something. Um, I hope that y'all are doing okay. <laughs> this is so weird. Uh, one of the reasons why I decided to start doing this again is, like I said, like I've been in fucking lockdown for months now, and the year's over ha half half over, and I'm kind of losing my mind. And I will, I'll, I'll, in a minute, I'll get into kind of everything that's going on with me in this goddamn fandom. But I, I kind of decided, like, I was gonna get back into this and just kind of see if I managed to keep it going, or if it ended up being a thing where I do one or two episodes and then stuff kind of gets in the way and I don't end up picking it up again. But I'm going to try and do more Rambling Dead. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, this is actually my second take <laughs> of this. Uh, I did a bunch outside yesterday drinking and um, I did not realize that I needed to plug in the laptop and uh, the laptop died and I lost all of, I lost like a, an hour of recording. So that was fun. Uh, so I'm actually drinking tea now because uh, I kind of overdid it a little yesterday and I need to be nice to myself today. And I'm also trying something different. I'm sort of observing the, uh, what has become, uh, something a lot of podcasters are doing these days and I'm recording inside my closet. I'm coming to you live from my closet. It's dusty in here and it's dark. I turned off the light cause I don't like the light. So I'm sitting in the dark in the closet, drinking tea and yammering at you about, well, eventually I'll be yammering at you about the walking dead. So where, where am I aside from in my closet in lockdown? Last time I talked to you, I said I was kind of done with the show in terms of it being broadcast now. That is still true. Uh, I'm, I'm still honestly not that invested in continuing to watch it whenever it does end up starting again. What, what is going on with it, by the way? I mean, I know, I know that the, the plague threw everything for a loop, but I heard the other day that they're doing like, quote unquote, six extra extra episodes and they're doing that instead of just calling it season 11 i i don't know i don't really understand the whole thing seems pretty weird in all honesty it's shit like that that makes me kind of glad that i'm not really paying attention anymore it just seems like it would be so fucking aggravating uh but yeah so there's that but i am still I mean, I left Tumblr, I'm not really in the fandom anymore in the sense of doing a lot of social interaction, but I am still writing fic. Uh, I'm starting to get back into writing The Good Stars again. I still intend to finish it, my big stupid canon rewrite. I know where it's going to end. I know how it's going to end. I just need to get to the end of season eight. If I can get to the end of season eight, I'll have finished it. But at the current rate that I'm writing, uh, that'll be in like, you know, three, four years, maybe longer. And God knows if any of you will still be here reading it at that point. But whatever, I'll be writing it. So, uh, yeah. So I'm getting back into that, and I'm sort of trying to, I guess, sort of get back into what it is about the older show that made me really like it. And 
I'm, I'm kind of trying to reacquaint myself with the parts of the canon that I'm still, you know, really, that I feel really affectionate toward and really nostalgic for. And I'll get more into that as, as I talk about, well, I mean, we're, we're doing, we're doing season two, episode one. We're starting from season two. Um, I honestly don't remember if I ever did record anything for season two before yesterday, but uh, regardless, we're starting fresh, sort of. And I, I, you know, I'll get into it. I'm sort of getting ahead of myself, but watching this episode, I ended up having so many intense and sort of complicated feelings about what this show used to be before it became the monstrosity, frankly, for me, unbearable monstrosity that it is now. So I, yeah, I'm going to have some things to say about that. I have a lot of feelings, you guys. I have a lot of feelings. So, um, this is, that's where I kind of am regarding the show, um, and the fandom. This is, I'm, I'm sort of tweaking the format for this a tiny bit. I mean, it's not a big tweak. It's, um, before I was kind of just, I had, I would watch an episode and I had a list of talking points and like bits of commentary. I'm actually going to make this almost like a recap because I, I think that it's going to help me organize my thoughts better if I actually go through here is what happened at this point in the episode and here's what I think about it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that ends up working for me. We'll see how it ends up working for you. Uh, and I may end up dropping it or tweaking it uh, more as we go, but that's what we're doing now. A couple more things before we get started. I still ship Bethel. I mean, I'm addressing, you know, the, this part of the fandom. I, I can't not. I mean, it's all of the things in the show that made me ship it are still there. Um, my feelings about the show currently, in its current incarnation, may have soured, but everything that I liked about the show still is true. Like, nothing in the story, my feelings there really have not changed significantly. So I still love the characters. I still love their relationship. I'm still writing the fic. I still ship it. That hasn't changed. So this is going to, although this is not solely a ship-focused recap series, um, this is going to, you know, I'm going to continue getting into that. That's going to keep happening. Beth isn't going to show up for about half a season, but, you know, when she does, we'll get into it. Uh, the other thing that I think it's worth pointing out, sort of from a Team Defiance perspective, um, just because it's going to come up, uh, it's, it cannot, uh, I'm still on the team. I know, it's crazy. Uh, it, I'm not on the team in that I expect anything to happen. Like, at this point, if you ask me, like, okay, you know, will, will she return in glory to judge the living and the dead? I, I think I would probably say no, I kind of don't think so. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't, maybe that was the plan originally. I, I think it was, but I think that things have also, things are in such disarray anyway now that if that even was still the plan as of like a year ago, I don't even know if it still would be. Um, they're probably having, it would be very interesting to know how many things they have ended up having to kind of scrap behind the scenes and just not tell anybody about. You know, there's all kinds of shit we don't know. I think these people are better at keeping secrets than I thought initially. I used to think they weren't so good at it. Their total inability to keep wraps on spoilers um, aside. But everything that made me think that it made sense for her to, you know, have been fake killed in the story is still in the story. None of that is gone. None of that has changed. And my feelings about it haven't changed. I, I, I look at the story and I still think that everything here is pointing to or her not being dead. So while I don't necessarily expect anything to happen, and while I'm no longer actively waiting, uh, I still don't think we were wrong. 
I still think if you look at the story, that's what makes the most sense. And if she did show up out of nowhere, I'd be like, well, that's kind of fucking weird. And also you're a little late, but uh, yeah, I'm not stunned. And also, you know what, guys? It's like we're over halfway through 2020. And I, at this point, very little would surprise me about anything. Literally, anything could happen, and I think I would just kind of go, well, that seems like that makes as much sense as literally anything else that's happened in the last six months, so fine. Again, I'm mentioning that because it's it's going to come up, as, as I just... TD stuff doesn't really start for a couple of seasons still. <laughs> I mean, it just it wouldn't. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's probably going to come up. So, yeah, so there's there's that. Uh, I think I think that's... Um, Going through my notes, I think that's that's all of the lengthy preamble that I wanted to do. Oh, uh, also, I'm drinking tea today, but um, I I know in the past that uh, tea's kind of been my beverage of choice while I record. Yeah, I do think I'm gonna get start getting back more into drinking, though. You know, yesterday didn't work out, but I think we're gonna be doing harder stuff than tea, or at the very least, we'll be spiking the tea. My uh, my liquor consumption has has gone up not insignificantly since uh since this whole whole thing started. I'm, I'm guessing I'm not alone in that. Probably won't do everything in the closet either. Recording outside was kind of fun. I just thought I'd try something different. So enough, enough rambling about stuff that's not The Walking Dead. Uh, let's go ahead and ramble about The Walking Dead. Season two, episode one, What Lies Ahead. So we open with pans across the empty street of Atlanta, uh, which looks strangely clean, by the way, given how trashed I think it was in season one. Mostly it just looks like it's Atlanta on a really slow day. Uh, also, there's a tank. It's, it's uh, slow, early in the morning, and a tank is there. And that's how you know it's the apocalypse. Rick is on the roof, and he is talking in a walkie-talkie, and he is sort of giving Morgan exposition, which is, you know, real nice of him. I, I have to say something about Andy in this scene. I, I was just rocking back and forth and, like, screaming in my notes. Um, Andy is terrible in this scene. He's just awful. A- Andy is Andy is a really competent actor, Occasionally, he's very, very good. I think that as the show has gone on, he's gotten a lot better. Clearly, he's gone now. But um, he, I think his his overall trajectory in terms of the quality of his acting and, and how he inhabits the character has just been, it's, it's been a steady climb upward. Um, but it's, it's a little uneven in season one. And season two, it continues to be a bit uneven. He is wretched in this scene. It is painful. It gives me agonies. I mean, doing monologues is hard. I don't know. I don't have a huge amount of acting experience. Although I guess in terms of voice acting, I guess I I do kind of have some. Uh, But he's he's wretched. It's just terrible. So we just try to get through the scene as quickly as possible and uh, move on through the cold open to the episode proper. Oh, wait. A couple more things real quick. Uh, Grady in the background. Uh, We'll... This isn't, I don't really want to be like, hey, it's foreshadowing Grady in season five here, because it's clearly, I, I think it's pretty clearly not. I don't think they had any fucking idea what they were going to be doing in season five and the beginning of season two. I don't think they knew there was going to be a season five. Uh, I don't think they planned that far ahead here. But uh, I, I do want to say, I do want to say a quick word about stuff like when things like Grady appear. And I, I know that, that some of us on the team point at that and go, hey, that means something. I kind of don't think it does. And this is actually going to come back, I think, later when I get kind of more into the season, assuming I do that. A a quick word, and I think I've actually mentioned this before, a quick word about this kind of thing from somebody who has lengthy experience writing lengthy stories, like things that have 
zoomed right past 100,000 words by a significant amount. Um, there are a lot of times where it will look like a writer did something smart. They did not. It wasn't smart. It was a complete accident. And in fact, things like that become more likely the longer a story goes on. And it isn't so much writers doing purposeful callbacks, although I do think that that's sometimes what it is, and some writers are better at that than others. But in fact, a lot of the time, it's just it's just a story becoming repetitious because it's so long. And there are only a certain number of things that you can really do with a story after a certain point. So I, I think that there are, there are, the show has sort of, I, I think it kind of has a little bit of a, a reputation for callbacks and circling back around to things in a way that looks clever. I don't think it's clever a lot of the time. I think, I, I, I just think the writers kind of get in a rut and, you know, keep coming back to the same thing over and over again. Grady is a big landmark in downtown Atlanta. It's kind of, I don't know, it's 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 kind of a thing. I, I think if you live in Atlanta, you know Grady. It's just kind of always there on the skyline. And uh, this, it was, it happened to kind of look cool in the background here, and uh, it's going to show up again in season five, and it's going to show up again probably in another couple of points, and I, I don't know. It's just, it's Grady. I don't think it means anything. Whatever. And I think that that's going to be true of a lot of callbacks that we see moving moving forward. Writers are, long story short, writers are often not as smart as you think they are. Sorry, we're just not. Sometimes we are, but um, I think more often than not, when you think we did something smart, it was a complete accident, and you were like, you're so smart. And we're like, yeah, we totally meant to do that. We, we knew we were going to do that a long time ago. It's, it's in our notes that we won't let you see. So, yeah. Second thing I want to yell about, why the fuck doesn't he tell Morgan that everybody is infected? At least I think that's what he's referring to when he says, you know, I went to the CDC, kind of a bust, didn't go great. Didn't go great. Got to tell you, we'll have a cocktail sometime. We'll talk about it. But uh, long story short, did not did not go the way we were hoping. Uh, kind of, there was a little bit of a, a an explosion, so to speak. And uh, also, the guy we talked to there gave me a piece of super bad news. Oh, it's just really, um, you know, it's it's rough. And I won't I won't tell you about it though. Never mind. Moving on. We'll see you when we see you. Why? I'm, I think that's what he's referring to is the thing where everybody's infected. Why doesn't he talk? Why doesn't he fucking tell Morgan about that? I don't understand. I, I think that I think they wrote it like that because I don't know, it kind of matched the dramatic pacing of the way they were writing the cold open. And also it's sort of a little bit of a teasy, hey, by the way, audience, remember this big reveal at the end of last season? But when you think about it, he has no practical reason not to tell Morgan about it, and he has every reason to do so. He he doesn't have to worry about Morgan's feelings. He doesn't have to worry about keeping Morgan's shit together. They're not physically around each other. He, for all he knows, he's never going to see Morgan again. Why isn't he telling him? I don't know. It's just, it's stupid. I can't think of a good reason for it, and it bothers me. Now for the end of cold open, Walker stumbling around credits. We open up on the convoy. Lori and Rick are talking about reminiscing kind of fondly about the before times. Hey, remember this road trip we took back before everything was terrible and road trips weren't a matter of survival? And it's kind of cute. No, it's nice. And we never actually got to the Grand Canyon because we all got really super sick and had to turn around. And Shane is in the background being shady, as he will be pretty much until he ends up dying. I, uh, good. This, a lot of things start in this episode that I don't like. They kind of set up. Here are all the things that will happen through the rest of the season that I don't love. Some stuff I like, a lot of stuff I don't really love so much. And this is where they think they start setting up the connection between Andrea and Shane. Don't love it. There's some things about it that I'll get into a little bit later that I don't hate, but just overall, I thought that whole plot was skeevy and gross and not worthy of Andrea, and I just didn't like it. It wasn't great. They're making eyes at each other. Not, not, not a huge fan. Not a huge fan. 
flirting. Don't do it. It's gross. Anyway, highway pileup. Oh no. Oh no. An opportune engine trouble. Who could have expected this? No one ever would have predicted such a thing would happen at this point. We all pile out. Oh crap, what are we gonna do? We're sitting ducks here. Okay, everybody scavenge. We'll try and fix the RV. Just a quick point here uh, where I, I think a, a theme that kind of ends up being a little bit of a bigger deal moving forward through season two. Lori, and this is something I think I should mention because I think it's a source of a lot of the shit that Lori gets. Don't be gross, fandom. This fandom is such garbage, and they treat Lori just so shittily, and it makes me mad, and that's a hill I'll die on. I fucking love Lori. If you don't love Lori, you're garbage, too. Uh, she is trying to kind of protect the kids throughout all of this, especially Carl. Like, she just doesn't want to let Carl grow up. And I think about this because I think it's her. I don't think it's Carol. They're walking by one of the cars and there's walkers being gross and, and they're dead, well, not walkers, but dead people and, and it's gross. And she's like, don't look, kids. And I think that it would make f sense for people to be like, that's stupid. You're in the middle of the apocalypse. Your kids, I know it's shitty, but your kids aren't going to be, your kids are not going to get to be kids anymore. Just let them grow up or, you know, just stop trying to keep them kids artificially. I get it. I agree. But also I think it's such a human thing for her to want to do. She's clinging so desperately to the last vestiges of a world that she's lost completely. Her marriage is really teetering on the rocks. She's got this skeevy guy being skeevy who also kind of sexually assaulted her and they're not talking about that and they will later and it's really, really trash. And she's a mom and you try being a mom in the apocalypse, guys. God, she's doing the best she can. Leave Lori alone. Lori's great, whatever. Sucks. I hate it. Carol finds clothes. She picks clothes up. Oh man, Ed, Ed never would let me wear anything nice like that. I need to say a thing about the top she picks up. It's just like your red standard... I mean, I think the fact that it's red is important, but it's like your standard plain top that you buy at Target for like 15 fucking bucks. It's not a super nice top, but I, I'm not like that's stupid. Carol's being stupid or this is stupidly written. Like, you know why Ed wouldn't have let her wear that. It's because there's a, it's kind of a V-neck. It's because it's a little bit low cut and it's because it's red. And you know, it's that thing about how guys are abusive, especially to their partners if their partners are women. Like they, they do not want them to look sexually appealing at all, even anything that anybody might think was sexually appealing because they're controlling of their sexuality and their appearance as part of just how they're controlling them overall. And you know, Ed would have been exactly that. You know, he was exactly that. So it's just uh, it's heartbreaking and really sad. And I hope she took the top. I don't think we see her wearing it, but I hope she took it and hope she wore it. And I hope it was great. And Carol deserves better. And Carol will not get better at any point in season two, basically. Carol will not get better. Carol will be done very dirty. Here comes a herd. Oh God, everybody hide under the cards. Okay, I need to say something about horror and what this show used to be, which was legit horror. Like it's, it's, it isn't really that anymore unless something has changed. I, I don't know exactly at what point The Walking Dead stops being horror and becomes a character-heavy melodrama and also walkers are there. But at this point, it is still horror. Uh, and I think maybe, uh, maybe around season... I think getting toward the toward middle, toward end, and end of season three, it stops being horror and starts being melodrama and walkers are also there. Uh, but b partly because everybody in this show is still super new to the zombie apocalypse thing and except for Daryl isn't really that competent regarding combat and is very, feeling very helpless and exposed and easily freaked out by even a few walkers coming through and here's this fucking herd and this show 
you really it's 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 horror it's very very much horror in terms of how they build dread and that sense of helplessness and fear throughout this lengthy scene but also it's very much horror and it's 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 very different from i think how the show ends up being written later on because we spend so much time in this scene this one of the things i that really bothers me about the pacing of later seasons episodes and later seasons and why i love episodes like still so much is that it just the the pace becomes so frenetic and you're following so many different parallel plot lines and there's the cast is so huge and they're trying to pack so much stuff into individual episodes and the episodes aren't even that long they're like 40 fucking minutes long because broadcast tv is garbage i don't miss it at all i kind of don't ever want to go back to it and they're they're the pacing is just, it's one of the things that makes it not really horror. Horror, you know, speaking as a horror writer and a huge horror fan, in my opinion, really effective horror is often dread-focused, and dread requires some patience and some time, and you have to kind of be in the scene, and it has to be kind of quiet. This is actually a very quiet scene. Not not necessarily literally, but just in terms of, again, the, the sense of how much is actually happening on, on screen, and uh, how quickly it's happening. This is kind of a quiet scene. And it's just, I don't know, just watching it, I was like, this is so effectively done. It's so different. And again, I think a lot of that is because the characters are so freaked out. And every second of danger is just amplified by so much. Whereas now, the characters in this scene who have survived, which is like, what, two? They'd be like, oh, God, heard what pain in the ass. We're a character heavy melodrama. Also, these walkers are here. Let's get back to the character melodrama. And, and they really wouldn't be that freaked out about it and they would just kind of hide and then it would be done and whatever walkers aren't a big deal we've been living with them for god what is it 10 years don't even get me started on the time jump i still am mad about that but at this point it's all just terrifying and you feel the terror it's just a really well done scene and it's so different and the other thing is this show can do a scene like this and you really feel it just kind of in this whole season. You really feel it in season one, and I think you continue to feel it in season two and even through a lot of season three, although season four is frankly where it starts to kind of fall apart. And it's just how lean and light and nimble the story is. I mean, again, speaking of somebody who's written some extremely long stuff, you, you get to a point in a story that just goes on and on and on. Uh, I this is one of the things I've been running into with Howl that's kind of a problem. I do still intend to write more of that, but I had to put it down for a while because it was just, it was a lot and I had a lot of other things to work on. But when you, when you write a really long story, you will get to a point where you are feeling just crushed under the weight of the story. And every decision you make, you have to go back and check over a ton of stuff. And if you haven't been keeping good notes throughout, God help you. And I'm not very good at keeping good notes. So you, you just, the story begins to crush you under its own weight. And there's so much stuff you have to remember. And there's so many things you have to bear in mind. And the bigger your cast is, the more of a problem that becomes. And even if you have like a, a universe, series universe Bible, which I, most writers rooms have, because you can't go back and watch like a bunch of seasons of a show before you can, you know, Every time you want to write an episode, you can't go back and watch the whole show again. But even if you're working with that Bible, after a certain point, the Bible becomes so long. And it's just, 
you you get nostalgic. I'm getting nostalgic as a viewer, and you get nostalgic as a writer for the early days of the story when there wasn't a huge amount to remember, when there weren't a hundred million characters, when you could just kind of do what you wanted with the story, and you could turn on a dime, and you could make crazy decisions if you wanted, and 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 it was just it was kind of fresh and fun, and you didn't feel crushed by the weight of what you were trying to do. And I really feel that watching this episode, this show just used to be. It used to be less exhausting to watch, I guess, is what I'm saying. It, I, I, you know, I, I think there's a reason why I was never a big soap opera person, and it's that I just, I, it's, it's, it's exhausting. After a certain point, it's just like, I can't keep track of all of this. I'm so tired. There's so many people. There's so much going on. I can't remember anything. I'm tired. I don't want any more. Probably part of the reason why I don't watch the show now. But yeah, it's just, it's such a different feeling. I miss it. I'm very nostalgic for what this show used to be. Although, again, there are a lot of things happening in this season that I'm also not wild about, and I'm kind of glad are not around. Oh no, T-Dog gets hurt. It's very upsetting. It's super gross. Bleeding everywhere. Daryl saves him. See, Daryl's not racist anymore. Or he's less racist now. It's cool to like him and be a super Daryl fan the way suddenly everybody became in season one unexpectedly because Daryl's less racist now. Nobody pay attention to the SS symbol on his bike. It's not his bike anyway. It's his brother's. His brother's the super racist one, not Daryl. Daryl saved T-Dog. Daryl's not racist anymore. I don't know. I just think that's kind of... It was such a, it was such a funny, like, super obvious... See? See? The white guy's less racist moment. It's cute. It's cute, funny, and kind of laughable. And this is, Sophia freaks out, runs away into the woods. This is where we establish a thing that will be 70% of the show for from stretching until this episode until now, as far as I know, unless something's changed. And it drives me fucking crazy. It is probably one of the things that I hate the most about this show, totally aside from the fact that there's a hundred million characters and they continually miss great opportunities to do cool stuff with the story. So much of this show is just rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and occasionally some water. And now and then a building. And also for a while there was a prison and yeah, there's the safe zone. But, but in terms of how much time we actually spend in a place doing stuff, it's mostly the woods. It's just all the woods. And I like the woods. I'd like to live in the woods, but I'm so, so sick of the... We've... We are we are not even a third of the way into this episode, and I'm already so fucking sick of the woods. And I know, I know that for the next few seasons, for however long I manage to keep this series going, we're going to be spending a lot of fucking time in the woods. Uh, I understand that there's it's budgetary reasons, and also the woods are just convenient, but we're going to spend so much time walking through the woods, and running through the woods, and fighting walkers in the woods, and hiding from walkers in the woods, and running from walkers in the woods, and talking in the woods, and arguing in the woods, and and having really, really deep, deep discussions in the woods, and, and sort of engaging in uh, mounting sexual tension in the woods, and it will just all be in the woods. And it drives me nuts. And there's just no way around it. It's just what the rest of the show is going to be, and we just got to suck it up and push through it. But that does not mean that I'm going to stop complaining about it. Don't you think for one second that I will be doing that? Rick goes after Sophia, stops Sophia, tells her to hide, leads away the walkers, and then at this point, Sophia sort of disappears from the story, and we don't see her again until, spoiler alert, turns out she's a walker and Rick shoots her in the head. I, I, I want to say at this point that, like, it kind of makes me sad that Sophia just exits stage left here, because we don't... The only kid we really get to see growing up in the apocalypse is Carl. 
And that's, I don't know, like, I don't, I actually don't tend to love kid-focused stories. It's just a personal bias. I'm not a huge fan of kid characters. I'm not a huge fan of kid-focused stories. But it is nothing against kids. I just, I just, it's not my thing. But I, I do think that it would have been interesting to get a, and here's another kid who isn't Carl, and we get to watch her grow up too. And we get to kind of see how both of them handle it in in contrast to each other. We sort of, you know, we get Enid later, but that's not really the same thing. I, I don't have a huge problem with what happened to Sophia. I actually think that she, she's sort of never anything except for a plot device. And she ends up being a plot device here because she's the MacGuffin. She spends half, for half of season two, she's the MacGuffin until she shows up and Rick shoots her. And I don't have a problem with that. I think that it's fine as far as it goes. It's fine. It's not great. It's not bad. It's fine. But I do kind of feel like I don't disagree with the choice to kill her, but I, I, I don't know. It, it would have been kind of neat to see what if that hadn't been the way things had gone. Watching Daryl track is weirdly compelling. I'm biased. Daryl's my fave, but I don't know. It's just, it's always like, you know what? I could just watch scene after scene of Daryl track. It's just, I don't know. It's just cool. Hearing him explaining tracking, watching him track. There's probably a reason why I often include Daryl tracking scenes in the stuff I write. I don't know. It's not even, you know what? It's not even so much a Daryl thing, I think, as it is just watching somebody who's very good at something being really good at something. It's soothing to me. It's one of the reasons why I love movies like Apollo 13. I love people being competent. Laurie and Shane are bickering. There's there's only a limited amount that I think I can say about this before I just start constantly repeating myself, but I, I really do need to say again at this point that how how Shane and Lori are dealt with in this show is just so garbage. It's just so shitty. I almost don't hate it sometimes, but then it'll do something that just makes me think it's garbage again, and I just can't wait for it to be... I can't wait for Shane to die as much as I love John Bernthal, and I can't wait for it to be fucking done. Although then, of course, Lori continually gets treated terribly until she dies. It's just, it's all, oh god, it's all just trash. This show is such trash sometimes. But you know, if you listen to my whole take on season one, that one of the things that bothers me so, so much about season one is how Shane fucking sexually assaults her, and the show just sort of moves on? show doesn't even seem to fully recognize that that's what happened like he tried to rape her y'all and and i don't recall feeling so skeeved out about sexual violence in the show until we start getting into negan which don't even get me started on that we may or may not even get that far i may just decide to like purposefully quit before we get to that point because i just cannot fucking take negan unless you all want to hear me screaming about negan for for hours for some reason let me know if you do but i Honestly, I think maybe I need to love myself more than that. But the show, I mean, the show in general, when it comes to its sexual politics and its gender dynamics, I am not 100% sure where my sympathies are supposed to be in a lot of these, a lot of these scenes with a lot of these characters. I'll talk about Dale and Andrea in a minute, but I, the, the lack of certainty I have regarding where my sympathies are supposed to be makes me very, very uncomfortable. I mean, I'm also a big believer in the idea that a show should not be spoon-feeding you the conclusions you're supposed to draw from a story. Like, I, 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 Fight Club's one of my favorite movies, and that movie ran, has run into some problems regarding how uh, it doesn't really tip its hand as heavily as it might, and I, I don't know, I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing. But this show 
because I don't really know where my sympathies are supposed to be, I don't know where the show's sympathies are, and that makes me just uneasy. I'm just, I'm never sure, like, is the show being garbage or not? And sometimes I feel like it is, and sometimes I feel like it almost isn't, and then I'm just not sure again. And the whole thing is just uncomfortable. And I stopped feeling like that quite so much in season three, and then in season four, it's pretty much okay. But in season two, it's especially when you get into Shane and Laurie, it's just, it's just all uncomfortable. And they have this quick little scene where they sort of allude to the fact that Shane kind of tried to, try to rape her. And it doesn't, it isn't, they're so, they reference it so obliquely that it is not clear to me whether Laurie knows that that's what happened. Shane does not seem to recognize that what happened. He says it was a mistake, but I think that just means like, I almost gave in to my feelings for you instead of I tried to fucking rape you, you piece of trash. It's, it's just, it's, ugh, it's all just uncomfortable and not good. And it's, I, it's like, well, I kind of wanted you to address it, show, but not like that. Ugh. After a fair amount of searching, cut back to the highway, and Dale is being garbage too. God, the men are being such garbage in this episode. Because he's doing the thing where he won't give Andrea her gun back, and he's like, I don't necessarily trust you like, not to try to hurt yourself again. And Andrea's like, are you fucking serious? And this is a scene where I actually do think my, my sympathies are supposed to be with Andrea. I think Andrea is right here. I think the show thinks that Andrea is right, and I think that the show will think that Andrea is right later because she lets Beth have she she lets Beth attempt suicide and I think that I think the conclusion that we are supposed to come to in that scene is that that was the right decision and that Beth had to be able to make that choice on her own and obviously later on that becomes such an important part of her character but it's she Andrea, the scene is garbage because Dale is garbage, but Andrea is fucking magnificent in this scene. You really get such a look of who Andrea could have been if she'd continued to survive and hadn't, you know, become terrible in season three and then died. Honestly, kind of mercifully, although how she died was stupid. If they were going to keep writing her that way, I would not have wanted her to be on the show. But he won't give her her gun. He doesn't trust her not to hurt herself or to attempt suicide again. She's like, it's my fucking gun. My dad gave it to me. I am not your kid. She says, I'm not your little girl. I'm not your wife. And I'm sure as hell not your problem. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. Oh my God, you're perfect and amazing. And why couldn't you have stayed being perfect and amazing like this? And he says something. And I should say, I like Dale. I like Dale as a character. I like that actor. I just, you know, overall, I really like Dale. And I really like Dale and Glenn's relationship a lot. But Dale says that he wishes that she would show a little more gratitude for him, quote unquote, saving her. And she's like, fuck you, man. I saved you. You know what? You put me in that position and I saved you because I didn't want to have to like feel guilty about this shit. And also I value your life more than I value my own. And you should be thanking me, dick. And it's, it's just, uh, it's just also terrible. And, and it's, it's honestly, scenes like this are, I barely remember the comics. I read them like five years ago and I sped read them and in retrospect, they were terrible. And I kind of just my they're, they're the kind of thing where my brains decided, you know what, you don't need to remember any of this. Your life is not richer by retaining this information. But I do recall thinking that their relationship in the comics was kind of neat. Like, I don't know. It was, it was unconventional. I liked them together. Dale was cool. She was cool. They were just, they were cool together. 
And I am not sure at any point in this show whether they were trying to build up that romance. When I first started watching it, and I started watching the show after I read the comics, or at least until I kind of quit the comics in the middle of Negan and in the middle of All Out War, and uh, not 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 too long uh, not too long before I quit on the show, honestly. Um, although I quit on the show for very different reasons, but I did read a big big chunk of them before I started watching the show. And I think in season one I was like, okay, I kind of think they're building toward them having a romance. And then by the time season two started, I just had no idea what the hell they were doing anymore. Like it just it, it wasn't clear to me, and it is not clear to me in this episode what they're building toward. Their whole dynamic is strange. Their whole relationship is strange. I, I, again, I almost am like, it, maybe it's a good idea, not a good idea, maybe it's not entirely a terrible thing that they killed Dale off, because not just because the actor wanted it, but also because just like, I don't know what they would have done with it. The whole thing was uncomfortable, and I didn't really want to watch it anymore. But it's just, I, the whole thing is just, yeah, it's, 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 it's not, it's not great. It's not great. Whatever. Let's go back to the, let's go back to rocks and trees and trees and rocks and looking for Sophia. So they find the tent. They find a tent where it turns out that the guy inside shot himself, and this this is, I don't know, you may not think this is as funny as I did, but I thought this was a fucking riot. So they, they Daryl finds, Daryl does his, you know, fun little crab walk thing. Daryl finds the, Daryl finds the gun in the guy's hand. It pans down to where Daryl sees the gun in the guy's hand. As I, I noticed, I don't know if I ever caught this before, but as they're panning down to the gun in the corpse's hand, it pans past a button. And I was like, wait, what's that? So I went back and paused it and I tried to read it. And I paused it at a really weird blurry moment. And also, you know, the, the quality, the streaming quality of Netflix is not tremendous, honestly, at least mine isn't tremendous so it was kind of blurry so I was like trying to read it and I thought that it said no encore for mimetic violence and I was like what like that is that is like a that is deep media theory references there like what is it what is it saying like I was googling it like trying to find out what the hell is this a reference to some kind of again is this some kind of like work of like media theory analysis like what is this is it is it talking about how, you know, like, oh, man, like, you know, violence in media actually ends up contributing to memes and culture and society, which end up encouraging more and more violence in terms of how we treat each other in the physical world. And, you know, we need to stop doing this over and over again and, and try to generate better memes. But I was like, that's, you know, if, if that's something that you can do at all anyway. And also I was like, this is kind of a weird thing for a zombie show to be saying. I don't really, like, the show is not the kind of show that's going to do kind of like a deep commentary on the nature of violence in media. And I was like, the, okay, show, I mean, props for being straight. Maybe, may, I don't know, maybe somebody in wardrobe was like a frustrated media theorist major or something and was like, throw this in here and nobody's going to say anything, but I'm going to feel happy about it. No, that's not what it says at all. <laughs> It's not what it says. It says no excuse for domestic violence, and it's clearly a little nod to Carol. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. But I liked my I liked my initial impression more. So it, it didn't it didn't it didn't end up saying no encore for mimetic violence. But I will always see it that way now, and I prefer it. And fuck, you know, maybe I'll even get like a button made that says that, and it'll just be a joke that only I will ever understand. And maybe like the two or three of you that listen to this podcast and remember what I said. 
I forgot the stuff about the bells in the church. That's actually a fairly neat scene where they, they suddenly hear bells and they're like, oh my god, Sophia's ringing the bells, or, or she could be, so let's go find the church. Uh, first of all, it's kind of strange if the bells are on a timer that they haven't heard them before. I mean, maybe they just weren't close enough, but I don't, I don't know. The bells sound like they would carry a good way, so it's a little strange to me that they didn't hear them before this point, but whatever. I'll hand wave it. But it's it's a neat little moment of tension. It's it's actually, it's uh, and, and, and kind of, what the fuck? It's a little bit in some ways akin to where we see the helicopter for the first time. It's just like, whoa, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all, and given where we are and what's going on. And of course it ends up being that the bells are just, you know, they're, they're speakers on a timer. But it's still a really neat little moment. I like it a lot. And then, of course, they get to the church. The, the little welcome bikers sign on the church is, is obviously like a cute little nod to cute little nod to Daryl. He gets his own little sign nod at this point. Revelation 16:17, starting sort of the thing in this show where we'll nod to Bible verses, but we're not going to actually tell you what they are. But you can look them up and feel all smart because you saw the thing that we were saying to look up and you looked it up and now we both know what we were actually talking about. Uh, Revelation 16:17 is the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying it is done so i guess the implication is that the people who were making the church sign for for that day were like well you know what this is clearly it it's apocalypse happy hour everybody and uh i don't know i just like i i I like the little implication of what the last day of uh that church must have been like okay guys clearly this is it so if anybody wants to know what's going on, here is a verse that explains it. We're going to go sit in the church and, you know, have apocalypse happy hour and be like, yep. Killing everybody in the church made me think of season five, uh, you know, killing uh, the termites in Gabriel's church. I don't know. I don't think that that season five scene was a callback. I think that that was just, again, that was just something that they happened to do because at that point the show had been going for five seasons and eventually you're just going to circle back around to something you did before just because it's what you do. But I don't know. If it was a callback, it would have been kind of nice, especially because there's like this... It's it's not very subtle. The show isn't very subtle. It's kind of a I'll calm down a little bit moment where Rick is like done hacking up the walkers and and he looks up at Jesus and he's like... I I think the implication is sort of like, oh, what what have I become in terms of how violent and cold I am? And of course, you know, Rick does eventually become like murder, murder code machete Rick, which is my favorite Rick and whatever. It's just it's the the scenes in the church overall in this episode. On the one hand, I want the show to calm down. And on the other hand, I don't know. I like them. They work pretty good. Daryl is getting frustrated. Daryl just Daryl gets frustrated a lot in the kind of the background of this episode, I think. It makes sense, given that Daryl is emerging as sort of the competent hero of the apocalypse, the guy who actually knows how to do shit and isn't getting sucked into all of these people's weird fucking relationships and isn't really involved in the drama and is just trying to do stuff. And I almost feel bad for him kind of watching this over again and being like, oh God, he's just... He's trying to find this girl. These people are not good at what they're trying to do. These people are not good. They can't track. They can barely fight. They're all squabbling. They're all getting distracted over stupid shit. I'm just, I'm exasperated and tired and I want to find this girl and I want to get on with what passes for my life at this point. Daryl talking, not me. Although I also feel in this way. The thing where Shane says he wants to leave, I'm like, yes, Shane, please go. Please just go. Andrea wanting to leave with him, Like, I don't like where they actually start getting into a sexual thing, but on the other hand, I do kind of feel like her wanting to leave at this point makes a lot of sense, and I do feel like her looking at him and going, 
you know what, you don't really belong here any more than I do also makes sense. I don't hate it. It's, it's, it's another one of those things where it's like, I want to like this more than I do. I don't 100% hate it, but there's a lot of stuff about how it's being written that just uh, kind of makes me feel a little bit, it's a little distasteful, some things about it. You know, it kind of can't really explain specifically what I'm saying, but I think that you know what I'm saying. Carol praying in the church. I love this. I have, um, like so many other things in this episode, I have a serious love-hate relationship with it. I love... I love it because Melissa McBride is so wonderful. And this is like one of the first, this is really, aside from when she kills Ed, this is one of the first times where Carol really gets a chance. Melissa McBride gets a chance to really shine. And we really get kind of more of a sense of who Carol is and, and who Carol is trying to become now that she's emerging from uh, out from under what Ed has been doing to her for so long. And it's a beautiful scene in terms of how she acts it. And it's just, it's just wrenching, especially if you know what's going to happen in the end. Um, but on the other hand, it's, it's starting up something. It and, and later, in, in a few minutes when Rick prays, starting up a thing that this show does that I think is trying to be clever. It's almost a little bit like what allegedly happened with Beth and it's happened it's happened plenty of other times that I can't even think of at this point but there are countless countless examples where the show is like mean for no good reason and it's like it goes out of its way to be mean it tries to be like ironically cruel and there are times where I think that that actually can work and I do understand that maybe they're sort of trying to make the point that this world is cruel and and you know, it's, it's going to test you to your absolute emotional limits and some people are going to make it through and some people aren't going to be able to hold it together. You know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, what happens with Andrea and then again with Beth, where they decide that, you know, the world is absolutely fucking terrible, but they're going to go ahead and try and keep going in it. But it's, it's, it is, it can feel so cheaply manipulative. Like, you think we're okay, it's setting up to look like it might be okay, and then it goes so horribly wrong for no apparent reason. It's just senseless and stupid. And with Sophia, that it doesn't end up feeling like that to me, because again, I think that that story, that arc is actually done fairly well in terms of how you, how, how the story uses it to explore and develop the other characters. But this is still an early example of what the show will continue to do, where it it will just it'll be just turn on a dime and be mean for no reason and sort of, you know, punch you over the head with how cruel and heartless this world is. And it's like, I get it. Oh, my God, I get it. Calm the fuck down. Because Carol is praying to not be punished. And, and of course, you're like, Carol, God, like, I just want good stuff for you. And I just want you to find your daughter and... Your whole life's been so hell, and now you're gonna lose your daughter, and it's just it's and for for no good reason. It just it's just it's just gonna happen, and it's all just shitty. And then you know obviously what's gonna happen to Carl, and yeah, Carl doesn't die, but Rick is Rick is doing the you know the thing where he has his little prayer moment in the kind of his little slightly too cathedralsy moment in the church. Andy acts much better in this scene, by the way. Andy acts much better talking to God than he does to Morgan. Um, interestingly, not entirely sure what to make of that, but that's a thing that happens. But yeah, praying in the church, people leave the church. Uh, Lori is suddenly snapping at everybody. I don't really understand where this is coming from. I think this is the kind of writing that makes people in the fandom hate Lori. So I'm getting mad at the show again because I think it's bullshit. 
Daryl is again just standing there watching all these dysfunctional people and I can just hear him going like, if only my own personal neuroses did not make me absolutely dependent upon a group to function, I would fucking ditch these people and go off on my own because this is fucking ridiculous. None of these people are gonna hold it together. I don't have any idea how any of us are going to survive. More rocks and trees and trees and rocks and God, this is never gonna end. I'm so bored and there's a deer. And this is the introduction of the kind of reoccurring thing I think where deer represents hope and innocence. And it again ends up, I think, by season five, where Daryl finds like the rotting deer, where the group is all just like in the worst possible situation. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, okay, again, show like calm down a little bit. This is okay. I know you have a theme and you have metaphor and you're very deep. I understand. But on the other hand, I am saying this as somebody who just blatantly stole the whole deer thing for all the years for a song and then beat the reader over the head with it there and also with all of my like water metaphor type stuff so I don't I'm not really anybody to talk at this point like come on for for serious but it is a moment where it's like oh hope and innocence and it's it's such a it's such a sweet moment in the middle of so much horribleness and then of course Carl and the deer both get shot together all hope is lost all innocence is dead the world is terrible God is like laughing my fucking ass off. The end. It's just, it's the, on the one hand, I kind of appreciate what it, what it's trying to do. And on the other hand, it's just, it's silly. It's just silly. I know, I know, show. I know what you're trying to do. It's silly. Stop it. Go to bed. Wrapping up. I like this episode and I don't. Like I've been saying the whole way through, there's so much stuff in this episode where it's starting patterns that the show in general will continue through the rest of its run that I don't like, that consistently make me tired and frustrated. I am talking in this case about trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and water, but I am also talking, I'm talking about how, you know, you get the scene early on where there's a, a really effective horror set piece, but then the rest of the show is just people being, people being shitty in the woods. Effective horror scene and then people being shitty in the woods. That's basically this episode. And that's kind of the whole show, to be honest. This is this episode really is almost like the whole show in a microcosm. It's it's like it's it's thirty percent good and then the rest of it is just frustrating and, and super, super uneven. And all not always entirely well justified. Sometimes things just sort of happen. Occasionally something is clever and surprising. A lot of it's infuriating and the gender dynamic the gen and the gender politics are just absolutely terrible. And the fandom is encouraged to be garbage. The pacing is weird. Like I mentioned that I mentioned that the the pacing and when the herd comes through on the highway that I like because it's slow and it's unhurried and you just kind of get to spend time in this place with these characters and feel their fear and their helplessness. And I think that that's effective and that works. And I, I also said that I don't love the frenetic pacing of later on in this in the show's run and of the later seasons where they're trying to do so much at once with not very much time. But it's it's just the pacing in the rest of the episode is weird and not very much happens and it's mostly just melodrama and when you don't love these characters or at least when you don't really love the way they're being written a lot of the time and I don't so much and they're frustrating me really consistently I mean it's so much of this show's melodrama seems based heavily on people making bad choices 
and that's not uncommon. A lot of stories lean on that. It's it's you know that's that's everything from that's everything from your average soap opera to Game of Thrones, which is also a soap opera, just you know with pretensions and dragons. But and I I mean I like the Netflix show Dark, which is basically people making horrible decisions, but also there's time travel, which means all the horrible decisions are worse because everybody makes them over and over and over again, and then goes back in time to try to fix them, and then ends up just making them over again again. But also, I'm, uh, I just, I'm not digging the melodrama, and I'm not digging how much time we're just staring at it. And yet, yet, I didn't quit the show at this point when I was first starting to watch it, and neither clearly did a lot of people. I know that season two is not generally most people's favorites, but I actually think that on the, I mean, we'll see how I feel. How I felt when I was writing it in The Good Stars was that it actually held together pretty well, and I think that I will probably feel like that as I go through it for a second time, because I had to rewatch a lot of it for The Good Stars anyway, so this is almost like a third rewatch for me. But it's I, I'm really feeling like here is the beginning of a lot of my mixed feelings regarding this show, and it's not going to change, because a lot of the stuff that this show is doing that I don't love in this episode is stuff that it will continue to do. Uh, it might do it differently in terms of the characters. It might do it in different places. It'll be doing it in the woods for a lot of it. But yeah, overall, it's just, it's, I really mixed feelings. The episode felt long too. I, I double checked and it's actually, it's a little over an hour. G given how broadcast TV works, it's, uh, it's clearly one of those things where it's like, it's an extra long episode. It's an hour and a half. No, it's not. It's a fucking hour. Normal episode runs are like 40 minutes. This is an hour. It's in in actual decent streaming TV. This would just be a standard length episode. So whatever. Broadcast TV is terrible. And I do not want to go back to it. It's a terrible way of telling a story. But yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's episode one of season two. So I don't know when I'm going to do another one of these. I might actually try and do some tomorrow depending on how much time I have to myself in the house but I don't know this was fun uh even having to do it a second time it was fun uh I I do want to keep doing it it's and that's like I said like I've been saying this whole time I'm feeling such a weird mix of frustration and nostalgia for what this show used to be I hope you're enjoying listening to it. I hope that uh, those of you who are still, you know, kind of hanging around are uh, glad that I'm getting back into this. I do intend to eventually get back into reading fic. There's, there's a lot of, I don't know, I'm not going to get into it here, but there's a lot of professional stuff that's kind of about to happen for me. And some of it involves recording. And uh, so, yeah, there's... A, I don't know what the next few months for, are going to look like for me regarding workflow, but they might be changing around a lot. So we're just going to have to kind of have to see what I'm able to and what I'm not able to do. But I should be able to work this into schedule some. So hopefully I'll get another one of these up pretty soon. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for still being here if you're still here. Uh, if you're coming to this as a new person, welcome. Hello. Uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to the other episodes in this weird fucking podcast series where I do a lot of different things. We got fic, we got interviews, we got me just rambling like this. We got all kinds of stuff. This has been a really neat podcast, actually, thinking back through it. I'm glad that I'm still somehow, for some reason, not completely giving up on it. So yeah, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I hope that you're staying healthy. I hope you're being careful. I hope your family and friends are all doing the same. Uh, well, try to stay home if you can. Stay away from people. For the love of God, wear a mask. And vote. 
register to vote, request a mail-in ballot now, don't wait to do it, and, and vote, and make sure that we man all manage to get out of this alive and, and reasonably intact, uh, or as many of us as possible. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon, I hope. Bye.